is it kind of always breaks my heart when I get around, especially entrepreneurs, business people, things like that, that uh, very knowledgeable, very successful people that want to learn NLP. And I always ask them, why didn't you take an NLP course? And usually they, a lot of times they'll say, well, they kind of took one once and they ended up not finishing it or not going back. Mainly because NLP is, uh, for most 95% of the NLP trainers, it's therapeutic in nature. That's great. But if you're a small business person, an entrepreneur, that may not be appropriate for what you're trying to do, right? And yes, some people can spin out the, the business applications even in a, like a basic NLP class, but in a four to six day basic NLP class, I'd say 50% is NLP techniques an entrepreneur or business owner is probably never gonna do. So it's, it's cool information, but is it useful? The other thing a lot of times is, uh, especially in the NLP and the hypnosis world, as Debbie can say, and that is people get caught up in um, uh, theory, which may not be as applicable for what we're doing, right? And, and so I got, to, I got associated with a really cool group called Trust Agrity, and some of the, and they're small business owners, small and medium business, looks like a couple, biz, bigger businesses, very successful business people uh, and corporate executives that are involved. And they wanted uh, some NLP classes, so it made me start thinking about it. And so here's what we're going to do. So that's it. So that's kind of the overview. And it's six classes over the next three weeks. It's Tuesday this week and Saturday this week. Um, because there's something I have to do on Thursday, to be honest with you. But the other weeks, it's Tuesdays and Thursdays. I respect your time. I'll try to keep it to 45 minutes uh, or so, give or take a little bit. Uh, and then we can, I'll stop the recording and if we can do questions and answers. We can talk, that's fine. But I know people are very, you know, uh, time constrained, you know. And also, by the way, an NLP technique, your brain can only absorb what the butt can endure, is the general rule. So about 45 minutes, people, your brain starts shutting down. So, um, so, uh, so that's one reason we're going to keep it short and concise. And my main goal is in every uh, class, you're going to get two or three very simple. So for my NLP people, these are going to be very simple uh, NLP techniques that you can start using today, especially in small business, in business, sales, marketing, management, things like that. So little techniques that you can use right now, and it makes it easy to implement and, and master, right? And so it's very simple stuff. Uh, but the simple stuff is what usually works. So let me uh, share my screen. Boom. Yay, it actually worked. Praise God. Sometimes I've had trouble with this thing. Because right? we've been talking, some of the times, uh, lately Zoom can be kind of challenging. <laughs> so anyway, let's get started. Here we go. NLP for business. It's also... Uh, under the secret mind control. And this is the first uh, session. Again, I'm Dr. Will, um, and I'm, I've been doing NLP since the early 1980s, author, speaker, psychologist. Uh, if you have any questions, I can, I can share that information. Uh, but most of you know a little bit about me. If not, uh, uh, it's not about me, it's about you learning the material. 
My contact info, the main website's nfnlp.com, also drwillhorton.com. I got to put that up there. Uh, that was made by a brilliant uh, a computer guy. I'm redoing the, the Dr. Will Horton site. And of course, I'm on Instagram and Twitter and uh, um, LinkedIn. I didn't put my LinkedIn up there. So I hope you can stay in contact with me. So what would happen if you could easily understand and use NLP, NLP techniques for business that actually work? Right? No, not a lot of theory, just some down and dirty, you know, guerrilla marketing kind of techniques using NLP. So the prep I always start with when I do any kind of course, um, and I'll explain why in the first session, is as we get started, I'd like you to think about some questions. And the questions are, how can I apply this new information? You know, and what stops me from implementing new ideas? I know as, uh, as we were talking, Oz and I, and before it began, Debbie, we're all taking a lot of classes. Dr. Albert, Ang in uh, uh, Indonesia, uh, people all over, uh, we're taking a lot of classes, Debbie, uh, and all that. But so what stops you from implementing the new ideas? You know, I'll tell you why later today, but we take all this, or you implement them once or twice, and then you forget about it. Have you ever gone to a conference, a training, a seminar, and you learn some really cool stuff, you get back, you start doing it, and then something happens, and then three or four or five weeks later, or a few months later, you look on your desk and you see that the info and you go, yeah, why did I quit doing that, right? And I'll tell you why, that's gonna come up today. It's very common, you know? That's why also like sales managers go crazy when they send someone off to a sales training and they don't implement the new ideas. So what stops you from implementing new ideas? Uh, um, what can I learn new today? And if you already know this, what can I learn different about it today? How can I enjoy this material? How can I have some fun in this class? How can I grow today as a human being, as a business owner, as a NLP person, uh, everything that we do? And what can I do different today? So let's start with this. Um, and I'm gonna ask you to stay conscious, you know, which is tough for a lot of us, right? Uh, but we've been introduced to the idea of the you know, levels of mind this way unconscious incompetence, conscious incompetence, conscious competence, and unconscious competence. It's just that, you know, it's a very simple thing. You don't know what you don't know because you're not aware of it. So you have no idea about it. And then you may get exposed to it. And then unconscious incompetence means I know I don't know this, right? And by the way, you could, you, it, it doesn't mean the stuff's not in your world. It's just, you're just unaware of it. But then there comes that moment where you realize, I don't know this, whether it's NLP, hypnosis, marketing, strategy, management, whatever. But that's a decision point. That's a decision point. Do I want to learn it? Right? And you know you don't know it, but do I want to learn it? Uh, some of us on the call are mature enough to remember when computers were taken off and the internet and all this stuff. And then we had to decide, do I want to go learn this? Some of us jumped in right away. Some of us took a little while. Right? But you have to decide, do I want to do this? It's going on right now with like uh, uh, social media marketing, whether it's Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram. You know, I know I don't know it. Do I want to learn it? And then when I learn it, I go to conscious confidence. I have to work at it. I have to work at it. Like when you first learn, learn to drive a car, you have to consciously think about it. You know, doo -doo -doo, hands at 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock, you're focused, don't talk to me, no radio. And then if you practice it enough, which can be a good thing, you go to unconscious confidence. You don't think about it. You get in the car, you turn the key, and you go, right? 
Now that's a good thing, except this becomes your default. It says default, I misspelled that, I apologize. It's your default, right? And unless something makes you go back and think about it, you're gonna always do what you always did. This is why when you learn new material, you'll go, this is really cool, and you start consciously competent learning it, you're practicing it, whether it's a sales technique, a management technique, you know, Instagram, Debbie was showing me Instagram. It's like, okay, I have to work at it. And then if I put it on the back burner before I can make it subconscious, I'm on always default back to the old way, right? I tell the story last month. Yes, this is still September. Last month, I went to Vegas and I rented a car to drive around while I was there. Uh, and I get in the car and, you know, I actually remembered, okay, this one's got a key because mine's got the bob and just push the button, my truck. But I get in there, I start the car, right? And I'm like, I keep turning up the radio and then turning up the air conditioning, playing with those two buttons, trying to get the damn car to move. And then I had to realize, wait a minute, my truck has one of those things on the dash like this to put into drive, right? In the rent, both of our trucks, right? It has this. Well, this one had a gear shift notch, so I had to, what it was, I defaulted to the way I just drive now. I get my truck started, turn it on. So I'm this idiot sitting in the parking lot of wherever I rented the car, and the radio kept going up or the air conditioner, and I'm bitching at the car, almost ready to go say the car is broken. But then I pull back and remember, oh, this is going to be different, right? And then um, I, I was in Vegas for eight days, and it doesn't take long, so I'm driving around. I drove a lot because there wasn't a lot to do in Vegas, by the way. Everything was closed. And when I get home and I got in my truck at the airport, uh, I reached down trying to find the gear shift knobs. No, rather. So, you know, so what I'm going to ask you to do, what you learned today, to be consciously competent in practice. Again, this is why you, when you learn something new, unless you do it enough to make it an uh, automatic behavior, it, you're going to default back to the old. So communication, persuasion, inner power. So what do people like Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, Steve Jobs, the late Steve Jobs, Lady Gaga, the list could go on and on. What do they have in common? Um, well, the ability to motivate themselves and to motivate others. I heard Steve Jobs in one of his talks to the, to the Apple thing, and he talked about, first he had to learn to motivate himself, then he could motivate the team. But he couldn't motivate the team unless he could motivate himself, you know, and, and he has to find things that makes them excited, right? And what it is, it leads to action. All of these people get other people to take action and themselves to take action, right? So as we get started too, do you have an interest or do you have a commitment to learn this stuff? And how do you tell the difference between an interest and a commitment? An interest is that's cool. I, that's interesting stuff. And the great thing about the internet is it gives you so much shit you can look at and so much, that's really cool. I'd like to know about this, you know? Uh, I had to get off the Quora, was it Quora or something? The thing where you ask questions. Because people ask all these interesting questions, that's really cool, but I had to like get off of it because it was taking up all my time, right? And it's just an interest. But a commitment is when you take action and follow through, right? So are you interested in this or, or are you committed? And, all I, and one way to make it switch from just being interested to committed is when you get some results from what you're learning. So you're here, so obviously you're somewhat committed. You, You've invested your time and your money. That shows commitment. 
So I'm going to give you two or three spe specific things each class that you can implement right now. So what's the biggest block, though, from people succeeding as we get started, right? And people talk about fear. And people mistakenly think it's either fear of failure or fear of success. You know, people say, oh, they're afraid to succeed or they're afraid to fail. And they're, it's kind of, it's a coin, you know. Well, in a way, both are right, right and both are wrong. So what do I think is the true fear? And from talking to other people, what's the true fear that stops people from succeeding? And that is fear of being judged, right? And that's what leads to fear of failure. It's because you're going to be judged for the failure, you know, or even if you have fear of success, I'll be judged by the success. People are going to ask me to do it again, right? And then what will my friends or family think or my coworkers or some authority figure? And again, I always ask people, have you ever started something and then stopped because friends or family or someone questioned it, made you question it, and then you see your idea succeed somewhere else? I'll bet you everybody on this call, if I ask, there's something you came up with, and oh, you know what? Someone should make and you name something, right? And then you, you don't do anything, and you walk in the store six months later, and you see your product right there, and you go, that bastard stole my idea, you know? Uh, in the hypnosis and NLP world, I see it where people, you'll think about a course, you'll kind of mull it over, you won't do it, and then all of a sudden, you'll see somebody else do it. Well, the difference was action. The difference was action, right? And being around people that don't judge you. You know, there was a study done where somebody that stuttered, you know, when they worked with stutterers, and then, you know, they do vocal tones. I'm not a speech pathologist, you know, they do the speech pathology stuff and all that. But one person found one of the things that really helped was people that stutter have this thing going on where people are judging me because I'm stuttering, right? And this person would teach, especially little kids, well, you know what it is, is your brain is working so fast, your mouth can't keep up. So instead of thinking these people are judging you, they're actually jealous because they can't think as fast as you. And it kind of flipped it in people's that kid's head because judgment, um, uh, I just had a warning on my computer. If it crashes, I'll reboot, right? Uh, so that's one. So you need to surround yourself with people that encourage you or encouraging people. You know, mastermind groups, groups with people like-minded that want to grow. That's why they work. You know, they won't judge you because you try an idea and it doesn't work. They'll go, well, we've all done that rather than, you know, and we all fall into the trap of thinking success is a gift because what happens, we see the finished product of someone. It seems effortless. You know, if you think of an athlete or an actor, and they've been doing it a long time. You're like, well, they're just gifted. Did you see the 300 hours of practice that they put in to learn how to throw the football in that way? Or the 500 free shots every day that Michael Jordan did year after? No, we just see the end result, right? Or the actors or, you know, the ones that can do a beautiful performance. Oh, they're just gifted. They took classes. They took Albert's on the call. They took classes. They, they studied, right? So we don't see their actions or their practice. And as I heard once an actor say, you're only as good as you got the guts to be bad. You'll only be as good in your performance as you got the guts to be bad in practice. And sometimes coaches will say it with certain athletes, take some chances in practice because that's what will get you the game, right? And again, I think sometimes we judge our insides by their outsides. We see the finished product. We don't, you know, people, 
we think they're all together and then you, you know, I mean, an example of, excuse me for this one, but it's true. When people were shocked a couple of years ago when Robin Williams committed suicide, because he seemed like such a happy guy. Well, obviously he wasn't. We're just judging his outside, you know, him on the talk shows, him doing this. We didn't see it. And it all has to do with the interstate. So let me ask everybody a question. Have you ever had a day where you were on fire? You could do no wrong. You were kicking ass and taking names, even in challenging situations. Even when you screwed up, it turned out right. And you're like, eh, I'm on fire, right? And then if you ever had a day where everything went wrong, you couldn't do anything right. Even something that you do all the time, you couldn't, you couldn't do it right. We've all had those things, right? So the question always is, you're the same person, right? Unless you're truly, you know, um, have multiple personalities, right? So what's the difference? Is it, it had to be the interstate you were in at the time, right? And it's those interstates that we're gonna need to look at and control, right? Love, respect, confidence, these states that we go for, the things that we mostly want in our lives, whether it's business success, personal success, physical success, actually can be tied back to a, to a state, an internal state. But what's interesting, when you learn to tap into these kind of inner states in yourself and others, you become unstoppable, right? And again, you get into those, and the difference between a super high performer, if we use athletics, and someone a, a level below is the consistent, ability to enter into those states where they're kicking ass and taking names. You know, it's not random. And so then what begins to happen, their mediocre day is better than most people's best day. And that's what we're, that's what we're working for. Okay. So when you control your inner state, you control your life, right? Because then you're not at the whim of people, places, things, and the experiences around you because they filter through your inner state. And when it's really working, it's magical. You know, you begin to adapt that, the old saying of life isn't happening to me, it's happening for me, right? And when you're in one of those states where you're like, ooh, everything's going great, even if something comes up, that's your, that's your this, is, this is for a reason, as opposed to a bad day, right? And as we say, so within, so without. Your internal state and your internal representations, which kind of link together, they control your external behavior. And at the same time, your external behavior can control your internal state, right? It's the old throw your shoulders back, lift your head up and go forward. You'll, you'll feel better, you know? I mean, we all know that the physiology, the, the external behavior of a depressive state is your shoulders are slumped, your head's down and you're, you're walking like this, right? And if you ever had the pleasure of talking to somebody that's always depressed and they're always like this, if you haven't pulled their shoulders back, lift their head up and take a deep breath, it shifts their state. If they're truly clinically depressed, they'll go, I don't like that, you know, because it's, it doesn't seem right, right? But if you, you know, this is the old act as if, sometimes it'll flip your internal representations and states. You know, you'll just assume it, right? I had to buy one of those shoulder straps to pull my shoulders back because I've been working on the computer so much, I was getting this hunched over thing and my wife yelled at me one day, you're walking like an old man. And I'm like, oh, I guess I am because I was so used to that. So I have to, you know, and it changed my state. And I know when I do that, I notice everything hurt. I was thinking like an old guy, right? Not that I'm not mature, but let's, you know, so it's changed these things, right? And we, a lot of this is hidden in plain sight. 
we tried to control our states with drugs, you know, coffee, sport drinks, as I take my coffee, right? Meditation, hypnosis, prayer, exercise. They all work. All of this stuff can change your state. But what, what, one of the problems we run into, what works for one person will fail for another. So you'll try to get somebody motivated into doing some exercise. will make you feel great. You know, no, it doesn't, you know, it's all, it's what works. It's like, now there's a guy they've cashed in on it because for years they tried to tell people, you know, all the super high achievers get up at like four or five in the morning and do all this stuff and, duck, and, duck, and, duck, and they get more done by eight o'clock than most people all day. And they, they would point to the few maybe billionaires and super successful people. But then you go to find out, you know, Tony Robbins doesn't get out of bed till about 11 o'clock. He's a night owl. So is Elon Musk. So is Richard Branson. I would call those guys successful. You know, uh, now Steve Jobs is the opposite. He would he went to bed early and he got up before dawn and he did. So what works for one won't work for another. So we're going to do some things to get us started. If you can hear my bird, I apologize. It's screaming in the background. Uh, and really, this is for all to see, but few people do this. The number one thing is to go where you're appreciated, not where you're tolerated. Right? Because. You know, as Somerset Mom said, the funny thing about life is you refuse to accept anything but the best, you often get it, right? So you want to begin to uh, surround yourself with people that appreciate you, right? And here's the trick. You have this thing in your brain, if you know this, just bear with me. It's called your reticular activating system, your RAS. Uh, and we're going to use it for business, right? But the main job of your reticular activating system, it's a small ganglia of nerves. And what it does is it screens out all the data coming in through all your senses, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, which is feeling, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, olfactory, smell, and gustatory taste. All the information comes in, filters through this, and then it disperses the information. It's like the, uh, the main system in a, in a computer. And its main job of your reticular activating system is threefold. It's number one, and always number one, is to keep you safe. Number two is to make sure you're fed. And number three is to get you laid. There's the only way to describe it. It's to keep you, it's to propagate the, the species. That's it. So its first job is to keep you safe. So it's constantly looking at the world for existential threat. And God knows right now we're getting a lot of these, right? And you really can't turn it off. You can only redirect it. And then it looks for food because you need to eat. That's why you can usually see food very quickly, right? Uh, and then it also is also generally searching for mates, right? Yes, even if you're in a love committed relationship, part of your brain is always dee, 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 dee. it's just the way your brain works, right? Uh, you know, so, so you can redirect it with this part of your brain and for millennia, that's what it had to do. You know, you were constantly looking for lions, tigers, bears, warring tribes, all this, all, all the threats, right? Well, we don't have those threats 90% of the time in our current world. So we can redirect it, right? And what do I mean by that is uh, I usually use the example of if you've ever wanted a new car and you don't know what kind of car you like. And so you look at this model, that model, this, and you say, ooh, I like a BMW. Suddenly you'll see that model of car everywhere. Right? The day before, you wouldn't notice it. Now you'll see it six blocks away. You'll notice it's because you told your brain, and it's that reticular activating system. Well, it's not looking for tigers right now. Oh, look, there's that BMW you like. Right? It's the same thing that whatever kind of person you find attractive, 
especially if you're single, whatever kind of person you find attractive, that's, you'll notice that person out of a group of 40, right? And it's just interesting, right? Uh, and it, it, it also tags into your rapport building skills, your reticular activating system and your rapport skills coincide mainly to keep you safe, fed, and propagating, right? That's it. So this is why it's so powerful, right? So rapport, now we're getting into some things you can actually use. Rapport is really all people prefer others resembling them. You like people who are like you, that are part of your tribe, part of your group, part of your system, whatever it happens to be. And this goes back to your particular activating system. If I know you're in my tribe, in my group, in my team, I can trust you, right? And then, you know, it bypasses the threat matrix. If I don't know you and I don't know where you go, you're automatically assumed a threat, right? It's just like, you gotta, you gotta do this. And you know, in the NLP and the hypnosis and business world has been out there for a long time. When we first started teaching this in the, they started teaching in the 70s, I learned early 80s, it was rather new to teach people to mirror and match people. So if I was sitting there and across from you, I'd mirror and match you as exactly as possible. And people, there's a lot of backstory to it, but what it does is it tricks that reticular activating system through a, a, a system called the a mirror neurons that like, okay, you're like me, so I can trust you, or at least feel comfortable enough with you to put my guard down, you know? And that's, what, that's why rapport works. So it's still true that if you mirror and match people, their physical, the way they're sitting, the way they're standing, the way they're moving, and if you also match their words, which we'll do this in probably week or in the third lesson, the visual, the auditory, the kinesthetic words, that goes to a deeper level. Because your brain's always searching, where can I put you, right? Where can I put you? And here's an example. I always teach this example. Uh, if you, as long as you're not driving, if you could close your eyes and think about somebody you like, a buddy, a pal, a friend, okay? Not a, not a lover or, or a spouse. Just, I like this person. And you picture them in your mind. Hey, you know, I like Joe. Okay, great. And notice they take an image. Maybe they're right in front of you, maybe to the left, maybe to the right. But notice where this person is. Great. Now, if you open your eyes and close your eyes, and now think about a person you don't like. They're kind of a whiner, or you just don't like being around them, you know? And let them pop into your mind. They'll be in a different spot. It's just the way your brain works. Right? So now take that person you don't like and try to in vain to slide them over to the spot of the person you like and see what your brain says. And try to, and most people go ding, it goes back, or it just doesn't feel right, right. And that's just because your brain has these sorting information. So the person I like, let's say, is right here. The person I don't like is over here. If I try this, my brain goes, no, or it just doesn't feel right. Now, if we know that, and this is just your way your brain works, we're going to bypass things. So if I meet a new person, a business opportunity, so if I'm going to sit there with Debbie and I, I don't know Debbie yet, uh, or she's approaching me, you know, it's like, but if for some reason I think she's like my buddy uh, Cheryl, oh, I love Cheryl. Cheryl's great. You know, boom, I'll trust you more. So you're... So on a neutral ground, when someone presents a mirror image of the way they are, the way they're sitting, breathing, moving, talking, 
your brain doesn't know what to do with it other than temporarily slide it to this spot. It goes into this temp file, if you will, right? And unless you screw it up, you're gonna stay there, right? So this is why we teach rapport. And it works, and people know it, but why don't people do it? Well, people don't do it because they go back to their default mechanism of thinking, I'm gonna make people be like me, right? Rather than the other way around. Um, or for some reason, they got some misinformation thinking this is somehow manipulative or uh, not quite right, even though it's just the way your brain works. You cannot not do it. So again, the traditional way is match physical, the physical, the movement, the way you're sitting, you know, uh, the words, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, which we call rep system, beliefs. That's why groups of, hell, we're going in political season. I'm not going to go there, but the people that believe one way are in one group. And then they kind of look, and eventually they kind of, they look the same, they act the same, great. So if you mirror and match, you know, it's what we do. This takes some effort, does it not? And you know, you're, like I say, you're trying to consciously, I'm gonna mirror and match Debbie, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna mirror and match Dr. Bob, I'm gonna do this, Carla, whatever it is, that's ah, a lot of work. Do you want an easy and automatic way? I think we do, that's why I'm here, right? So if you think of someone you like, as let's say I gotta go meet somebody new, and I want to get rapport with them. And for this to work, you only have to have two people, a male and a female. Somebody you really like, a buddy, a pal, a friend, right? And the same sex as the person I'm going to meet. And it's very important that you, that you have no romantic inter, interaction with the person you're picking. Because that'll send different vibes, right? And we don't want that, you know? Unless you're in the business of, of that, then we can talk about that later. Uh, so if I have somebody I really like, I got a male, and I like my buddy Bill, and really trust him, I like Bill, right, great. So then I got, I could use Debbie. I like Debbie, you know, she's a great girl, I like her, we get along, she's funny, da, 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 da. So now I gotta go meet somebody, if it's a female, if I can think about how I feel if I'm gonna have a meeting with Debbie, I'm relaxed, I'm jovial, I'm just myself. And I step into that, how I see, hear, and feel, this lowers my threat matrix, which now there's some research going on with how energy fields work. This isn't woo-woo, this is science. It's gonna, you're gonna naturally lower yours a little bit because I'm not putting up that, that filter. And I know Debbie can relate to this and a few other people on the call. It's like, if you're afraid of dogs and you walk up to a dog, the dog usually reacts badly, right? I know Debbie's got big dogs, I got big dogs. If you walk up and you're like, hey, baby, boo, 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 the dogs, even they're just, unless you train them to be attack dogs, they're feeding off your energy, right? And if, you, if you, you're scared, the dog picks that up and wonders, what am I scared of? And so it doesn't go well, right? And your ner nervous system isn't much more different than a dog's, ladies and gentlemen. You know, it's a little higher evolved, but it's the same nervous system. So it lowers your threat matrix, which lowers your target's threat matrix. That's why I said it's important to think of somebody you just like being around, not romantic, because that might bring up other things, right? And then when you do this, and then you go meet a new, a new customer or a potential customer, uh, the mirroring and matching becomes automatic. You don't have to worry about trying to mirror and match because your brain goes, it'll just start doing it. It puts it on autopilot. You might have to do it a little bit, but it's 
resetting the reticular activating system. It's like when you see people that haven't seen it, you, you see this a lot at conferences where people only see each other once or twice a year. Then when they run in and within two seconds of meeting, they're looking, you look at them in the corner, they're standing alike, they're talking, they're, they're moving, and it's, it's not forced, as opposed to when you first learn rapport skills, it feels forced. And then that puts up barriers, and then, then you start thinking, I'm gonna marry and match you know, Carla, so I'm nervous, but then her energy picks up my nervous, and then it usually goes to shit, and then, and then you get the evidence that you are looking for, this is not good, and then you won't do it anymore. So the first thing you wanna do is get two targets, male and female, people you like being around, and have them constantly ready, so if I gotta go meet a potential client, and this even works online for some reason, and you start talking to them, well, your energy's down, which opens up their energy, right? Um, so, so that's number one. That's where the first tip is get this target going. Great, number two is states for rapid results. If you wanna get rapid results. Uh, a, lot, a lot has been written on uh, appreciation and gratitude, right? It resets your reticular activating system, it really does. You, that's why they say if you start your day with some kind of gratitude, it kind of resets your reticular activating system in the morning and you'll look for reasons to be grateful, right? If you get woke up uh, with some crap going on and then that day it like keeps going worse. And then the classical gratitude experiment, which has been duplicated over and over again, and unfortunately people screw it up, but the original one back from the 60s was just think of three things you're grateful for. Just three little, and the person that really came up with it, simple things. You know, my dog smiling, one male Doberman smiles. It's the goofiest looking thing you ever saw. But it makes me feel good, I'm grateful for it, right? It's just, I like it. I, if I think about things like that, simple things. But again, what a lot of people do is then they're gonna spend an hour writing a gratitude list of seven pages, you know, ugh, you know. And then you screw it up. It's just keep it simple, right? And it may change. Some days I'm grateful for the sun. I live in Florida. Debbie lives in the desert. In the middle of the summer, I'll tell you, I'm not that grateful for the sun. Now I'm going into the beautiful weather here in Florida and probably in the desert. Yes, it's beautiful. It's 82 degrees. It's not high humidity. That's so it may change. And I tie this in with the Princeton study. If you don't know the Princeton study, just bear with me. Princeton study was at Princeton University. They took the seminary students, the people that were gonna become ministers, and they gave them the task. They, they thought this was the study. The task was they were gonna go talk on the uh, Good Samaritan. You know, Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. So they reviewed it and they got to work on it. They said, okay, so you're gonna go to these different groups and you're gonna teach or preach whatever term you want on the Good Samaritan. Y'all got it? Yay, great, it's a 10 minute talk. You ready? Great. Okay, you only got 10 minutes, get ready. Okay, good, good. Now, and they gave them their assignment of where they had to go give the talk on campus, like wherever it is, you know, campuses are huge. And they go, oh, we apologize, the time got away from us. You only got like five minutes to get there and it's at least an eight minute walk. So all the students are hurrying to get there, great. Well, the real study was, they took the theater students and they had them strategically placed in the way of each person gonna go preach on the Good Samaritan that were injured and needed help. 
So they're running to preach on why you got to be a good Samaritan. Every one of the seminary students avoided helping the people, right? Uh, including one literally stepped over them on the stairways to get into the building, right? So it's the, you know, it's, it's, it ties into this because that's where you let the, what's the term? You, you, you can't see the forest for the trees, right? So we want to keep things very simple. You want to see what, what, what do you really want out of this, right? And so the second thing we're going to do, so the first was the mirror match, get your two buddies in your head so you can do this. Here's one, and it's the sole purpose experiment. And this helps with the like the gratitude. And the sole purpose is, if you want to just adopt this for the next 21 to 30 days, since we'll be together for this, uh, the sole purpose of money and success is to show gratitude. So you can show gratitude to your family, to your friends, to wherever you want. Why do you want the money? Why do you want the success? It's to show gratitude, if you just can adopt that. So for 21 to 30 days, every bill you pay, I want you to rejoice. You write like, oh, cool, make a smiley face, right? Which reminds me, I gotta make a truck payment. <laughs> yeah. Why did I buy a $60,000 truck? I don't know. Um, but can you mentally celebrate? Even when you see competitors do well, can you rejoice? So yeah, good for them, glad they got whatever it is, right? And again, sometimes this is easier said than done, right? Going back to the Princeton study, you know, we get caught, so caught up in our success, we lose track of other people's success. It's also why usually you find when you get to those super high levels of achievers, they hang around with each other. You know, Elon Musk hangs around with, um, uh, what I just said, Richard Branch and, and Tony Robbins, they're in that same little, you know, and they're all, even it, and even uh, Steve Jobs once gave a little talk and it was fun because somebody said, what do you think about Apple? Uh, you know, how Apple competes with Bill Gates and Microsoft. He goes, I'm happy that they're doing so well. And he, you could tell he really meant it. He wasn't being vindictive, you know? At the same time, he goes, my job is to take all their clients, but, um, you know, it just shows people want computers. So, you know, so for the next 21 to 30 days, every bill you pay, every time you do something, try to celebrate. And even competitors doing well, say good for them. So the three techniques this week is, number one is to find your two targets that you can use in your head all the time, a male and a female. So when you meet new people, new, so when, if Oz is meeting somebody to sell some artwork, he thinks of Debbie or he thinks of somebody he really likes if it's a female or if it's a male, he thinks of somebody. And so you do that and use it on absolutely everything, including strangers. This is a fun one if you gotta go to Walmart, right? Or a store, try to step into where you're just thinking all these people are like friends I don't know yet, which in some of the stores that can be a stretch, right? So use that on everyone. The second technique, is the sole purpose exercise. So when you gotta do things, just be grateful you gotta do it, okay? And then with this, consciously stay in conscious confidence that you're learning something new until, you, until it becomes second nature. Until it becomes second nature. And that can take a little while. Usually until you get some really good feedback and it really works for you, and then you start wanting to do more and more. 
It's one of the reasons I do like teaching like sales seminars to, to, to salespeople and this kind of stuff to business people because usually they're the ones, it's like dealing with high performance athletes in the military. Once they see it work, they're gonna keep doing it. I can be honest with you, sometimes on the therapeutic side, they're gonna say, this is really cool. They're, they're interested, they're never committed. But if I got salespeople and if I can say, look, this will increase your bottom line five to 10%, they're paying attention, they'll do it. And once it starts working, they're gonna duplicate it on their own over and over again, right? And, and again, it's just interesting stuff. So that's the three techniques for this week. Pick your rapport models and make sure you have a male and a female. Again, people you really like, no romantic uh, things going on um, and use it on everyone. The sole purpose exercise, think about the sole purpose of all my success is to show gratitude. And so I, I relish in everyone's success including even if I got to pay bills, because hey, it's kind of nice, I got to, and trust me, I had, this was a stretch for me yesterday afternoon, right? Because I had to put tires on my truck, right? And on my truck, I did not know, these tires are like $360 a tire, right? So it's like damn near $2,000, but, so I had, to, I had to work on this, I'll tell you, I had to pull back and go, hey, a, at least I can pay for it right now. And B, it's because I got a pretty cool truck, you know, and the fact I got 60,000 miles on a set of off-road tires, which that guy, the guy at the dealership was like, that's pretty impressive, you know? So anyway, but I had to consciously work on it. So that's the assignment for this week. I'm going to stop the recording.